Brilliant. I want to take you guys into a passage here in Genesis 18, which is, which is unusual. And so I need to start with what makes this passage very odd. What we find here in Genesis 18 is that Yahweh meets and speaks with Abraham, but what we see are three visitors, okay? And so in the Old Testament, just this is, many of you will be aware of this. In the Old Testament, when you see the word Lord and you see it in all capitals, that's their way of showing you that although in Hebrew there are loads of, loads, of, loads of words for Lord, this is special, okay? This is Yahweh or Jehovah, um, which essentially are the same word. Uh, essentially, the, the, the story goes that the Hebrew scribes didn't think anyone should call God by name, and so they took the vowels out. And so we have four consonants, which depending on where you put the vowels, and depending on how you, you know, um, pronounce things in English, become Yahweh or Jehovah. It's actually the same, same word. And so, this is the most significant name for God in the Old Testament. When the word Yahweh is being used, it's, it's, that's why it's signified for you in English when it says Lord in all capitals. And you're going to find that in verses 1, 13, and 14 of our text. And so in verse 1, the Lord, Yahweh, appeared to Abraham. In verse 13, the Lord, Yahweh, said to Abraham. And yet, what we see is described to us as three visitors. This passage has baffled Jews and Christians throughout the centuries, okay? And so, and then in verse 3, we get Abraham speaking to one person, but in verses 4 through 9, he's speaking to multiple people, okay? And in the second half of chapter 18, Abraham continues his conversation with, with Yahweh, um, which is there where he's like negotiating on behalf of Sodom. Lord, if there are 50 people, Lord, if there are 10 people, okay? And in chapter 19, that conversation doesn't finish until verse 33. And then in chapter 19, we have, at the end of eight, uh, in chapter 18, we've got two men leave, two men leave. And then in chapter 19, two angels arrive in Sodom. And so there might be a connection. It might be the same two. It might not be, okay? Um, and so there's, there's different options then as to what people do with this passage, how they understand it. Who are these three visitors? One, one option is that this is a representation of the Trinity, which I like, but it seems to be the least likely, okay? <laughs> um, so, so, for example, uh, it's famously depicted by um, an Eastern Orthodox icon by Rublev in the 15th century. And it's, and it's beautiful, lovely idea, again, but I think it seems unlikely. Another option is that these are three angels. And somehow the three angels represent Yahweh so much that it can be said that Yahweh appeared and Yahweh spoke. That's also kind of odd, because that's not usually what happens with angels. Okay, um, but again, this is a common view. And then a third option might be, like that maybe this is two angels, but the third is special. That this is the angel of the Lord. Angel of the Lord was a specific angel that was a special angel. And there are other times in Scripture where the the angel of the Lord is referred to in this way. That the angel of the Lord is able to speak for Yahweh is yet distinct from Yahweh, and yet it says Yahweh was present, okay? 
So the most likely option then probably is that this is two angels and the angel of the Lord. However, that would be odd as well in that it doesn't say that the angel of the Lord was present. Okay? So the, the writer is somehow leaving this vague on purpose. Like the author isn't trying to make this clear for us. And so how did Yahweh appear to Abraham if, as it says elsewhere, Yahweh cannot be seen by someone if they are to live? Like this is, a, this is an odd passage. Yahweh spoke. Yahweh appeared. But what we see very clearly is that this is a significant encounter with God that Abraham has here. Now let me start by saying, especially with a passage like this that has question marks that we really can't answer very well, that mystery can be good for the heart. That there are times where the biblical writers aren't answering things for you on purpose. <laughs> like it's, it's meant to be left un, unanswered. That there's some literary mystery intended. God is not our project whereby we can have him all figured out. Okay? We like things nice and tidy. Sometimes the Bible doesn't allow for this. So this is intended to inspire mystery, awe, reverence. God is bigger than our understanding. Stephen Boyer said it this way. God is not a puzzle, and to relate rightly to him is not to analyze or classify or master, but to worship. In this direction, I love, by the way, in studying theology as well, I love, in theology we, we make space for this, in that there are categories about God where you go, yes, you can try to understand them, and yet in theology there are clearly as well categories where you, you basically say God is different than we are. We can't understand this. And this is the direction that the doxology that we find in Romans 11, end of Romans 11, Definitely goes, verses 33 to 36. Check this out. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Mystery can be good for the heart. As humans, we like things predictable. God can be unpredictable. We like things we can understand and control. God is beyond our understanding and well beyond our control. This is the way a second century apologist, Theophilus of Antioch, said it. The appearance of God is ineffable and indescribable and cannot be seen by the eyes of flesh. For in glory he is incomprehensible, in greatness unfathomable, in height inconceivable, in power incomparable, in wisdom unrivaled, in goodness inimitable, in kindness unutterable. Like this is the God that we worship, which is, and, and often we make God smaller than he is and misrepresent God by our many words. So first thing I want you to see here is that mystery can be good for the heart. The writer isn't trying to answer everything clearly for you here. Second thing I want you to see is that God can show up at any time. Abraham's just at the door of his tent, like when Yahweh shows up. He's just trying to shelter from the heat, which many of, you will have, many of us have experienced this week, right? <laughs> 
And so, verse 1, the Lord, Yahweh, appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. What they had there is they would have had some sort of flaps to the entrance of their tent. And, and so, um, there's a spot, you know, there's a natural spot there where someone might seek shade. Normal day, and then God shows up. Now, there are different ways about talking about God's presence, okay? On one level, God is everywhere always. That's why David can say in Psalm 139, where can I flee from your presence, right? If God feels distant to you, you can fall back on this at all times. God is here whether you feel it or not, okay? So there's a general, God's, uh, general sense of God's presence. There's another sense of God's presence where God's people sense or even feel God near, where one's faith is raised, where the Spirit of God is at work. And similar to this, there's a sense of God's presence where we are filled by the Holy Spirit, usually accompanied by gifts of the Spirit. What Abraham's experiencing here is beyond all of this. This is some sort of a physical experience of God's presence. But what I want you to see here is that God can show up anywhere at any time. And when God shows up, it is life-changing. Now, often, as a church, we encourage regular times of prayer and scripture reading as a way to grow your faith. And sometimes we might say things like that prayer isn't just laying our requests before God, but it's also slowing down to listen to God. For me, that part, the slowing down to listen, too often can get squeezed out. Because I can pray like it's, a list, like it's a task list. I can read scripture like it's a task list. But slowing down to listen means letting go of time for a moment, right? Just being with God and letting God speak. So my challenge through this series when we're thinking about meeting God is to have more time where I just stop and I'm attentive to God. I'd encourage you to do the same. So first thing, so I want you to see here that God can show up anywhere at any time. This is Abraham's home. It's a tent, but it's his home. It's the doorway to his tent when he's just trying to hide from the sun, right? God can show up anywhere at any time. The second thing that I also want you to see in this text right here is that when God shows up, he deserves our hospitality, our reverence. You see, the hospitality of, of Abraham here is great and is in stark contrast to what we find with Sodom in chapter 19. By the way, there's a bunch of parallels that are meant to be, uh, hap- that are happening between chapter 18 and 19. Chapter 18, light in the daytime. Chapter 19, darkness. Chapter 18, um, Abraham knows the Lord. Chapter 19, Lot doesn't. Okay, uh, chapter 18, hospitality. Chapter 19, inhospitality. Like there's a bunch of contrasts that are being set up between these chapters. But I want you to see here with Abraham the way that he responded to the Lord's presence. And so we find in verse 2, Abraham hurried to them. Verse 6, he hurried back to the tent. Verse 7, he ran to the herd. Verse 7, his servant hurried. So there's a sense of urgency for him here and wanting to give the best to God. 
Then we find as well that he, a sense of reverence. He bowed low before them. Verse 4, he had water brought to wash their feet. Verse 6, he served them freshly baked bread. We see that he used three seahs of flour. That's a lot. Uh, that's a generous amount. Okay? They used a calf to serve fresh meat, which wouldn't normally have been done for guests. They used curds and milk in verse 8. He stood while they were eating, which is a sign of respect. Like there's loads of ways that he rushed and did everything he could to show hospitality to these three visitors. When God shows up, nothing else matters. A few days ago, I was at a wedding. Now, I hope you don't mind. Some of you, I've shared this with some of you, I've shared this story before, but not, not about a few days ago. But, anyways, you'll see. Okay. A few days ago, I was at a wedding and I was talking to a, um, a young lady in her young 20s who recently tried to take a youth group on a weekend away to the Chellington Center. And it's because she was part of the youth group I was leading, like, eight years ago or something, when there was a massive spiritual breakthrough on, on a weekend away at the Chellington Center that she was part of, okay? And so the, what had happened is, is that we would regularly go away on youth weekends. We would have a youth weekend every term, every term for the younger youth, every term for the older youth. And this was a commitment, and it was hard work, and it was but, and, and every weekend, of course, we would spend time worshiping God and seeking God. And often we might say things like, like you know, give space for God and, and, and just pray and, and see, you know, and just try to respond to God. And so we've done this many times before. We get to this older youth weekend and Friday night and we get to the end and we're going, okay, look, let's just give God some more space. Um, if you want to go and play some games or whatever, you can. But right now, let's just, let's just continue to worship for a little bit. And then on this weekend, God's spirit just fell. Right? Like it was palpable in the room. And there were people crying and people laughing. And there was all sorts of things. Like it was just so clear that God was at work in really powerful ways. And so I'm at the front as the youth leader just going, guys, can you look up and see what God's doing and go and join God in his work? Right, go pray for someone, go whatever. And what was meant to be just a few minutes ended up becoming like an hour or more, hour and a half, something like that. It just it felt timeless in a way because God was present and so nothing else mattered. And there's this so this massive sense of breakthrough for this for the older youth on this weekend. Fast forward a month and we have the same weekend, same place for the younger youth. Okay? Now the older youth, we had a great worship leader, you know, great, like, like Dan, you know. <laughs> um, the younger youth, we don't even have a worship leader. And we've, got, we've got worship songs on, on, on video, <laughs> like sort of thing, like um, video, music videos that we can watch. And younger youth, just before the, the older youth weekend, I'd actually had an evening with parents where the parents had said, parents of year sevens had said, do they have, what's their spirituality like? Is it similar to the older youth? And I was having to say, it's not really. Been doing youth ministry for years, and typically with 11 to 13-year-olds, it's just not as developed yet, right? And so, I mean, that's just the way that it is. 
And so here I am on this weekend with 11 to 13-year-olds that this, remember, that this girl was part of. And God's spirit fell. Right? Like, I'm just finding other worship videos to play on the computer. <laughs> right? Um, God's spirit fell. And there's youth crying and laughing and loving God and praying out loud and things that I would have never expected to see with 11 to 13-year-olds, like God's spirit, just so tangible in the room, powerful stuff happening. At both of those weekends, I remember looking out at what was happening and thinking, there is more happening right now, spiritually speaking, than happens like all year long. Like all the effort we put in, all the whatever, and right now none of us are really doing anything, and there is more happening right now. More, of, more significance, more life change happening right now by the Spirit of God. I don't know if you've ever been part of a time like that when God's Spirit has just been, has just for you personally or as part of a group or whatever, if you've ever had a time where, where the Lord showed up, where the Lord showed up, where the Lord spoke. It's a fantastic thing. And I hope that throughout the series, when we think about meeting God at home, or meeting God on a mountain, or meeting God by a river, or meeting God, you know, that actually it will prompt you to remember times when you've met with God in the past. But I hope as well it'll make you hungry for meeting with God in the future. You see, God can show up at any place and at any time. When God shows up, he deserves that we should give him the honor that is due and you know what, with this time at this weekend and with these youth and everything like that, we had done the, the right thing many times before. And sometimes, and that's exactly, you know what, you need to put in time where you go, God, you're what counts more than anything right now, and I'm just going to wait on you. I'm just going to be with you. I'm just going to enjoy you. And if God shows up, fantastic. If he doesn't, it's Okay. And so how can you make space and set aside everything else to be with God? Let's pray. Father, I ask for times of spiritual breakthrough for each of us individually, times of spiritual breakthrough for home groups, times of spiritual breakthrough for the 7 a.m.ers, times of spiritual breakthrough for our church, for this service. Father, I pray that there will be times where we are aware of you, where our faith is heightened, where you are at work. Father, we pray into the future asking for times where we just recognize that your spirit's at work and therefore you are doing much more than we could ever plan or hope for. Pray that you would make us as your people sensitive to your spirit. That you might speak to us, that you might guide us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.